everyone. I'm HP Braincase. And I'm JR Skinny Cat. And welcome back to Re-DCAU, your DC Animated Universe rewatch podcast. Or, for those of you who really wanted to know where strawberry milk comes from, Red, Red Cow. Cow. Before we get started, let's address the giant cow-shaped elephant in the room. We've taken a very long sabbatical from the podcast, and for that we're deeply sorry. We've been intending on getting back to it for a while, but life has gotten in the way. Hopefully from here on out, we can keep a more regular schedule with getting these episodes out to you. We're happy you're back to listen. Now, without any further ado, let's get to it. This week, we are going to be talking about episode 5 of Batman the Animated Series, Pretty Poison. The episode originally aired on September 14th, 1992, and was the fifth episode in production order. The teleplay was written by Tom Ruger, with story editing done by Michael Reeves and Paul Dini, and it was directed by Boyd Kirkland, who previously directed Nothing to Fear, the episode featuring the Scarecrow. Some quick up-top notes. This episode is the introduction of yet another of Batman's rogues gallery, Poison Ivy. This makes Boyd responsible for introducing us to a second major recurring member of Batman's list of villains. Poison Ivy is our first female villain, which I'm very excited about. Also, the episode features better animation, more detail, and an awesome music variety. You're right, there were a lot of improvements in this episode. The episode opens on a strip of bare land with Mayor Hill announcing the beginning of construction on a new prison, which is the brainchild of the new district attorney, Harvey Dent and funded by Bruce Wayne and the Wayne Foundation in large part. Together, Harvey and Bruce dig the first shovel full of dirt out of the ground as part of the groundbreaking ceremony. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> this is also where we get the beginning of the rose symbolism that will be very heavy in this entire episode. They dig up a rose, and this is the first one we see. I'm going to try and keep count as we go along. One quick thing to note, this takes place five years in the past, and my only question that is not addressed at all by this episode is, was Bruce Batman five years ago? Before a bulldozer can start excavating the land in full, a pair of hands come into frame and scoop a rose out of the ground and place it into a striped pot. It's at this point that the flashback makes an odd change. It's still happening five years ago, but it's no longer in sepia tone like it has been up to this point. It's now in full color. There is also a scene where the same hands that potted the plant tear a news article out of the Gotham newspaper showing the news story about the prison. And there is a fun little continuity error right here where when the hands are tearing the paper apart, there's two quotes around the title, which is groundbreaks on dense dream. But after they pin it up on the wall, the closed quotation marks are gone. There's also a funny little sarcastic piece of five years later text. When Mayor Hill is giving his speech at the beginning of the episode, he notes that the prison will lead to a better, safer Gotham. And once the flashback is over, we get a shot of the prison at night with text that reads a better, safer Gotham five years later, which I'm pretty positive is laced with heavy sarcasm. I also wanted to point out a drastic shift in the color palette from the warm colors to very cool colors in this transition showing the new land that holds the prison. The implied sarcasm is also highlighted by the fact that we're seeing a prison break happen in the 
better, safer Gotham of a five years later future. The Prison Break features a guy who looks like a cartoon Tom Selleck rescuing a prisoner from the prison in a helicopter who looks kind of like Mo from the Three Stooges. Yeah, or maybe one of the Beatles? They've got a bowl cut. I wanted to address the music in this scene. During the helicopter chase, there's a lot of syncopation used with some horn instruments, which can give you the feeling of excitement. And when JR says helicopter chase, you might think that Batman is in some sort of aircraft chasing after the criminals. No, he's just shot his grappling hook and attached onto one of the legs of the helicopter and is dangling behind it as it flies. We also get a cut to a scene in the Gotham PD where Commissioner Gordon gets a phone call, presumably telling him about the prison break, but he exclaims, what? Right after picking up the phone, way too soon for anybody to have been able to tell him what's going on. It's at this point that the whole PD empties out and we see Harvey Bullock sneak back for a donut because, of course, cops love donuts and Harvey Bullock is a lazy cop. There's also a shift in the music here that has more of a goofy or sneaking tone. All the while, while this chase is happening, we cut back and forth with scenes of Harvey Dent sitting at a restaurant called the Rose Cafe. That's Rose number two, for those of you keeping track. With his very beautiful girlfriend, Pamela Isley, as they discuss the fact that Bruce Wayne is late for their dinner date. While they're having this discussion, the waiter at the restaurant comes up to their table and is voiced by none other than Kevin Conroy, Batman himself, putting on just a terrible, terrible French accent. The accent used here is a trope used in a lot of stuff. It's called the Maurice Chevalier accent, named after actor Maurice Chevalier, who was active in the 1900s up till 1970 in the era of Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire. He was one of the first French actors to come over to the United States. And so a lot of people used his strong accent as an example of what a French person sounded like. But it was used to the point of it becoming almost parody. It's a trope now. Speaking of tropes, or at least something that's kind of a trope in this episode, there are roses on the table as well. That's going to be rose count number three. Oh my goodness. So the music in the cafe is very nice. It's very simple violin music that you would expect in a classy restaurant. I want to take a moment to talk about Pamela Isley. Hoo-hoo, oh my goodness. She is the definition of a bombshell. If you can imagine, she's basically DC's version of Jessica Rabbit from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Her outfit, she's got a red dress on with a sweetheart neckline. The color red is usually associated with passionate love, seduction, violence, danger, anger, and adventure. And I'd say that this choice in color for her wardrobe in this scene is a great choice because her personality and her choices definitely fit within that definition. Also, her voice, the voice actress for this episode used a murmured voice, which is a very sultry, breathy voice. Think Marilyn Monroe. So she is hyper-sexed up and all of the customers in the restaurant have noticed and she turns heads. Also, the choice for the character of Poison Ivy to have red hair allows those themes you talked about to persist with the character, 
even as her outfit changes throughout the episode and throughout the series. Also, tons of credit to Diane Pershing, the voice actress for Poison Ivy. She did a great job. This scene also does some clever editing magic as it cuts back and forth between a conversation that Pamela and Harvey are having about Bruce being late for dinner with the chase that Batman is taking part in juxtaposing the two. Yeah, Harvey says about Bruce, oh, he's probably hung up on business. He's always late. This is said while Batman is hung up on the helicopter because he's still attached to it with his grappling hook. Pam says... I hear he's rich, and Harvey says, oh, yeah, he runs around with a high-class crowd. Cue the helicopter crashing and Batman chasing the criminals across a very tall rooftop. High class. And side note, Pam and Harvey saying that he's rich is hysterical to me. They both have high-paying jobs, and so now that sort of puts in perspective exactly how much money Batman has. Harvey says he still manages to get his kicks. This one is very literal because it cuts to Batman kicking a criminal in the face. And finally, Harvey says, there's nothing we don't know about each other, which is obviously not true. Shh, don't tell anyone. Bruce Wayne is Batman. Oh no. The chase ends with Batman delivering the criminals to the police and rushing back to Wayne Manor in order to get ready for his date with Pamela and Harvey. While he's on the way, he calls Alfred, who calmly lets him know that he's already called the restaurant and let Harvey know that Bruce is going to be late. Batman changes into his one suit. It's the <laughs> same suit from the flashback. It, I'm pretty sure Bruce only owns one suit. I think he wore that suit in a previous episode, too. <laughs> we'll have to pay attention as we go on. Then he gets in the car, which Alfred has kindly gassed up for him. Alfred makes a recommendation about what he should have at the restaurant. Yeah, I guess Bruce is too busy or just too good to fill up his own gas tanks. Also, I, I wanted to note, he's kind of rude to Alfred in this scene. I know he's in a hurry, but he drives away before Alfred is even done talking to him. After this, time jumps forward to the end of dinner, where Bruce, Harvey, and Pam are all sharing a laugh before Pamela notices the time and says she has to run. Before she gets up from the table, she leans over and plants a super long kiss on Harvey, which has Bruce checking his watch. She sachets out of the restaurant, leaving Bruce and Harvey to finish their conversation. Yeah, that kiss was far too long. It was really awkward. As far as PDA goes, that was extreme. Also, just a fun little fact in this scene, Bruce Wayne's name is misspelled on his own credit card. It's spelled Bruce Wayne's. I feel like if there was anything the animators could have gotten right, it would be <laughs> the name of the main character. An ironic moment. As Pam is getting up to leave, she says to Harvey that she's going to leave him with his crazy friend. Now, I don't know if you've heard of the crazy hot scale, but this chick is way to the far upper right of the graph. <laughs> Pam also takes a rose on her way out, which is going to be rose number four of the episode, for those of you still keeping count. And it won't even be the last one in this scene. But before we get to the next rose... Bruce and Harvey are having their conversation about Pam, where he asks if she has a sister. Yeah, this supports the reputation we know that Bruce has of being a playboy. Harvey responds with the fact that Pamela is one of a kind, 
And also lets Bruce know that they're engaged, and that's going to be the next day's page one headline. He says this not long after commenting that there's nothing we don't know about each other. Bruce is a good friend, though, and he expresses to Harvey his surprise because they've only been together for a week. And I gotta say, this is very good advice. Kids, in general, wait about three years before marriage. That is definitely a good rule of thumb. It's at this point that Harvey starts to get a little woozy before he passes out into the bowl of chocolate mousse on the table, which Bruce at first thinks is just him joking about the effect that Pamela has on him before realizing that, no, Harvey is actually unconscious in a bowl of dessert. We cut to just outside the restaurant as Harvey is being driven away in an ambulance, and there is a conspicuous shot of the Rose Cafe sign, giving us Rose number five. Then we get to experience kind of a frantic scene, which is cut between Harvey being rushed into the hospital and the Gotham PD being notified that the district attorney is being rushed to the hospital. Gordon gets yet another call that he answers with a loud what before he could possibly have been told what's going on. And then we get treated to another version of the same scene from earlier where the entire police station empties because of the emergency and Harvey Bullock sneaks back for a donut because we needed that again. In this episode. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the hospital, Harvey's being rushed in on a gurney. There's a doctor and two nurses beside him. The doctor repeats himself twice, saying to go to the OR, ICU number three, stat. It's clear the writers have never worked in the medical industry, and so maybe they just don't understand that the operating room and the ICU are totally separate areas in the hospital. Also, there's mention of we need to get his blood pressure, we need to get his pulse, and those are things that the ambulance staff would have gotten on the way already. The highlight of this hospital scene for me, besides the doctor repeating himself twice, is the fact that we get to see Bruce Wayne as Bruce Wayne, not as Batman, just straight up stealing evidence, which I'm pretty sure is a federal crime. Yeah, he just strolls into the doctor's office, which I guess is him pulling his status card. He could just walk into any space he wants, I guess. And he finds the doctor at his desk analyzing a smear on a microscope slide. For a large hospital that accepts emergencies, this just isn't realistic. They're going to keep the lab samples in the lab, and the doctor's office is going to be where his desk and books are, those types of things. The doctor gets up and tries to leave, and Bruce grabs him by the arm, which I guess is another status card pull. Eventually, after their conversation, the doctor leaves, and Bruce is left alone in his office. How odd. Yep, and the evidence he steals is the slide that you're talking about, which happens to be Harvey's blood because Harvey has been poisoned. So now we have a man who runs around dressed as a bat stealing blood from a hospital vampire symbolism much <laughs> we also get to see a scene of bullock at the restaurant trying to intimidate the staff into telling him how they poisoned harvey's food he interviews the chef the dishwasher and a couple other members of the staff and really lays into them a couple of odd wardrobe choices here the chef wears his hat during the interrogation the chef also has that tropey maurice chevalier accent we mentioned earlier but isn't voiced by Kevin Conroy. No, in this case, he's voiced by Bob Hastings, the same voice actor who lends his talents to Commissioner Gordon. Also, it looks like the dishwasher is required to wear a tux and bow tie to his job. 
after this, we have a scene back in the Batcave where Batman is using the Batcomputer to run an analysis on Harvey's blood and is able to pinpoint the plant that was used to create the poison. The plant is called Rosacea volaris, which Alfred tells us is the wild thorny rose. And Bruce gets excited because he thinks he can get a sample of the rose from the Gotham Botanical Gardens and use it to synthesize an antidote for Harvey. It's at this point that Alfred informs him that the rose is unfortunately extinct. This scene has a lot to unpack. The highlight for me is the fact that Bruce came from the hospital where he was dressed as Bruce Wayne, got into the bat suit to run the tests on the blood, but will be back at the hospital as Bruce Wayne in the next scene. He drove all the way home, changed into his costume, and ran tests. That's actually my favorite thing that happens in any of these episodes ever. <laughs> also, Rosacea valeris is just the name for the common, totally normal rose, not some special wild thorny rose, though it does make me wonder if this is taking place in some alternate reality where normal roses have gone extinct. And we get to see the word extinct flashing over a picture of the rose, which transitions to a live specimen that we can only assume Poison Ivy is holding. This is rose number six. And this scene of her clipping the rose, it lasts four seconds and it's literally useless. It's just snip and back to what we were doing. This episode has a lot of weird little padding stuff like that, repeating the scene with Gordon getting a phone call and Bullet going back for a donut, the doctor repeating his line twice, the long lingering shots on the roses. It's almost like they didn't quite have enough episode to make this one long enough, so they just added in a few seconds here and there where they could. But as I mentioned, the next thing we see is Bruce back at the hospital as Bruce Wayne in his one suit watching over Harvey Dent. <laughs> When Pamela comes running over to him, he offers some words of comfort to her and offers to walk her to her car, suggesting that she get some sleep. She accepts the offer and leans in to try and kiss him, which he very awkwardly turns his head away and turns into a hug, because of course, this is his best friend's fiance. We also get to see inside of Bruce's mind a little bit as he starts to get suspicious about the kiss from earlier. At the beginning of the scene, it shows us the Gotham City Hospital sign out front, I'm not sure what font it's in, but it's a super scary sort of gothic font that is enough to make anyone want to stay away. A note about Isley in this scene, she has changed her clothes and this is where I start to count her outfits. This is outfit number two. Pamela is modeling a conservative baby blue pencil skirt suit. Also in the scene, we start to really know who she is. She does a bit of fake crying for Harvey and tells Bruce to promise to call me if there's any change. You can see where she's trying to manipulate Bruce. With her feminine wiles. Those two. As Bruce is driving home, he calls Alfred on his car phone, which I'm just now realizing as we're recording this is totally a rich person in the 90s thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I never, never caught that. Anyway, he calls Alfred on his rich man car phone and asks him to run a background check on Pamela Isley. Alfred runs the check and reports that Miss Isley holds a PhD in botany and is currently employed by a cosmetics company working as a chemist on their new fragrance, Nightshade. 
She also offers a weekly lecture at the Gotham University on extinct plant species. At this point, Bruce's suspicions are pretty much confirmed, and he is pretty sure that Pamela is behind Harvey's poisoning. I've only got two real notes about this scene. The first one is that we get to see Poison Ivy's faculty ID at the school, and she lives on 69 Green Street, which is just, like, the place every weed-smoking teen wants to live. <laughs> and Batman also closes the scene with another one of his patented one-liners, I guess? It's not funny, but he says, I think Harvey's engagement is off. And it's it's bad. It's just bad. There's also an awesome... Uh Batman crotch shot that pans up to the faces of Batman and Alfred that is supposed to alert us to Batman's sneaky wardrobe change. Suddenly he's in his bat gear. From here, Batman goes to confront Isley at the greenhouse where she has a laboratory. Upon entering the lab, he falls through a trap door and is almost impaled on a pit full of pulsating spiky cacti that I still haven't worked out why this pit exists but he manages to catch the edge at which point he is grabbed by a venus flytrap and hoisted up out of the pit while this is all going on pamela is pretty oblivious she's going about her business in this scene we see pamela isley modeling a green top baby blue jacket brown pants and a gardener's hat what she's wearing a gardener's hat at night stereotypes yo she walks over to what looks like a tape deck and puts on some music for the plants because, oh boy, does she love her plants. The music playing is reminiscent of Tchaikovsky's romantic fantasy overture, Romeo and Juliet, at least the softer, quieter parts, which have a nice contrast with the action bits that include some synchronized brass and timpani while Batman is tangling with this Venus flytrap. We pan back over to Pam, where, again, she changes clothes. For some reason, she has a dressing screen inside the greenhouse. This time, Pam is modeling a sweetheart neckline green leotard with green tights and green cuffs. This is her iconic look as Poison Ivy. Something interesting to note about this outfit change, she made the switch before knowing that Batman was in the greenhouse. We know this because she walks out from behind the screen and comments about her Venus flytrap having caught something else. Which also makes me wonder, has this giant, toothy, kind of vaginal-looking plant murdered people before? I didn't talk about this before, but the Venus flytrap is very... feminine? <laughs> and very large. After realizing that the Venus flytrap is holding Batman, she does the villain thing and monologues about her evil plan while Batman tells her she will never get away with it. She discusses the fact that Harvey has the blood of these plants on his hands, specifically talking about the wild thorny rose, which the construction on the prison caused to go extinct, except for the samples that Pamela has kept. One thing to note here, she says that the blood of the plants is on Harvey's hands, she's a botanist but thinks that plants have blood and i wanted to mention too that she goes through a whole heck of a lot of emotions in this scene she goes from fake crying laughing to almost a rage and then she drops back down into her smooth sultry calm attitude and after she calms down 
she has the Venus flytrap hold Batman's head in place somehow. I'm not sure if the plant is sentient or if she's psychically controlling it. That's never really made clear. I'm going to assume it's a really, really smart plant. And while it's holding him in place, specifically his head, she walks over and kisses him with the same poisonous lipstick she was wearing when she kissed Harvey Dent earlier on in the episode. Now this scene would be hot, except it's not consensual. That's right, kids. When engaging in plant-based bondage, remember to always have enthusiastic and constant consent. On the note of consent, Batman immediately tries to spit the poison out, but he's already starting to feel woozy. He fishes out a batarang, uses it to cut himself loose from the plant, and he and Ivy get into a brawl. I also want to talk right now about Poison Ivy's gadget. She has this really cool wrist-mounted crossbow that self-reloads as she cranks the firing mechanism. The whole thing rotates and loads another bolt. Much like the Poison Ivy outfit, I don't know why she put this on before she knew Batman was in the greenhouse, but that's neither here nor there. The music in this section, while they're grappling, is very reminiscent of Rite of Spring by Stravinsky. This is a very famous and important piece of music in music history. Some of the elements used in it are strong accents, discordance, and bitonality, which is using two keys simultaneously. Yeah, the music is really cool in this scene. Additionally, we get to see that Batman is an equal opportunity crime fighter. He's not afraid to kick a crazy lady in the face. We also get some more evidence that the Venus flytrap is in some way alive because Poison Ivy tries to shoot Batman with one of her wrist darts. He dodges, it goes through the plant, and the plant screams. Which, let's ignore the fact for a moment that plants don't have lungs. It was a really creepy scene. <laughs> yeah, the noises the plant made were pretty crazy. I think at one point it sounded like a maybe dying elephant. And the other time, it was sort of just staticky screaming. It was really unnerving. Definitely. The fight scene itself is pretty bog standard for what we've seen from Batman so far. Lots of acrobatics and dodging. Affected by the fact that Bruce is under the influence of the poison. He does at one point use his grappling hook, which he latched onto the helicopter earlier on in the episode, to swing from a light fixture, which falls into one of the puddles of water and just sparks the greenhouse up like a match. The plants in this place are super flammable. Yeah, he falls from that light and then grabs onto a tree branch, which also breaks. So there's just nothing in this place that can hold Batman's weight, apparently. Apparently not. Also, while he's jumping around, dodging, Poison Ivy is trying to shoot him with her wrist darts. And she shoots what looks like an IV bag, which I guess means plants do have blood in this universe. I think they're playing fast and loose with the science here. <laughs> All around them, the greenhouse is burning and falling to pieces. All throughout this scene, while trying to shoot Batman, Poison Ivy has been safeguarding the last of the wild thorny rose, which Bruce needs in order to synthesize an antidote. It also turns out that she has an antidote already in the form of a bottle of perfume that she keeps with her, which... I've got to say, forward thinking, she doesn't want to get poisoned by her own lipstick. Yeah, it's literally up her sleeve. But while the greenhouse is burning and falling apart around them, in the midst of this, it looks like a tree branch is going to fall on Poison Ivy. Batman, being the hero, tackles her out of the way, and in doing so, almost falls into the same pit from earlier, which is still full of pulsating cacti. 
and Poison Ivy stands at the edge of it and levels her wrist-mounted crossbow at him and basically gloats that she's going to be victorious and she's going to kill Batman. At this point, it's revealed that Batman was able to grab the rose away from her when he tackled her, so he's holding it above the pit full of spiky plants. He gives her an ultimatum, making her choose between giving him the antidote or the plants dying. This is presented as the bottle or the weed. What's it going to be? And the only thing I could think of was on this episode of Intervention. And now all I can think of is my mom asking me when I was a baby, the bottle or the cat? And I threw away my bottle. (laughs) Of course, Pamela Isley being the plant lover that she is, gives in and surrenders the antidote to Batman in return for saving the Rose. She pulls him to safety and Batman uses a wheelbarrow to crash them out of the burning greenhouse, which I would like to note has a sentient plant in it. Batman started a fire in a greenhouse and killed what may have been the only sentient giant Venus flytrap in the world. Batman's a dick. After this, we cut to Harvey Dent waking up at the hospital, having been given the antidote with Commissioner Gordon and Bruce standing over him, at which point Bruce confesses that he doesn't think Pamela is the one for him. Meanwhile, this nurse walks over and shoves a thermometer into Harvey's mouth just as he's waking up. The medical professionals in this episode just really aren't very professional, are they? It must be their first day. All of them. Even All the of doctor. Them. Yeah. <laughs> so Bruce makes the funny joke about Pamela not being the one for Harvey, and I'm just left here wondering, is anybody going to explain to Harvey that Pamela tried to poison him, or is it just all jokey joke time? The scene transitions to our last scene of the episode, which is just Pamela sitting in her cell at Stonegate Prison, talking to the Rose, saying that they can bury them deep under the ground, but it's okay, because, to quote, We always grow back, don't we, baby? In this scene, we see Pamela Isley modeling outfit number five, the blue prison jumpsuit. Indeed, and there's some nice symmetry with the beginning and the end of the episode with the ground breaking on the prison, which Pamela was wholeheartedly against because it led to the extinction of the Rose. Though I do think that given how just nuts she is, she really should have been in Arkham Asylum and not Stonegate Prison. Yeah, and I'm wondering who allowed her to keep a thorny plant in, I'm assuming, a ceramic pot inside her cell. Did we just let prisoners have whatever they wanted in the 90s? It was a different time. And that brings us to the end of our summary of Pretty Poison. But before we roll into our outro, we do want to talk about a new segment, our sponsors. This episode of ReDCAU is brought to you, but not really, by Ultimate Utility, a subscription box for the not-so-superheroes out there. This episode's item is simple but effective, the grappling hook. Lack the ability of flight? Need to catch a fleeing helicopter? Or maybe just rip down a light fixture? No powers? No problem! Ultimate Utility has you covered, and all of our shipments come in discreet packaging because your secret identity is our secret identity. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And on that note, let's go ahead and give our ratings for episode five of Batman the Animated Series. Pretty poison. Overall, 
in my opinion. This episode was not the worst we've seen, but I had some issues with it. Also, I completely gave up on counting the roses. There were just way too many. I think I give this episode 6 out of 10 cows. Okay, I'm going to give it more than that. I think there's a great variety of music. It was good music. Like I mentioned up top, the animation was better. We finally have a female villain. And there were some creative decisions made in this episode. So I'm going to give it 8 out of 10 cows. All right. Well, we hope you have enjoyed the return of ReDCAU. In our next episode, we will be talking about episode 6 of Batman the Animated Series, The Underdwellers. In the meantime, if you want to experience more of us, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at HP Braincase. And I'm at JR Skinny Cat. Additionally, we stream over on twitch.tv slash HP Braincase. I stream solo four nights a week, and JR is kind enough to join me on the weekends where we play scary games together. Also, this podcast is made possible through the support of listeners like you over at our Patreon. If you want to support this podcast and the other content we create, you can do so over at patreon.com slash HP Braincase. Until next time, may your nights be dark and your cows be red. Bye! It's called the Maurice Chevalier accent. Chevalier. What did I say? Chevalier. And the chef I'll mention also has that Maurice Chevalier Alfred reports that uh, Miss Isley. Nah. Alfred reports that Miss Isley. Ha- hold Which, for me, as a medical for <laughs> for me as a medical profes- professor. <laughs> also, the diswa- diswasser. So, as Bruf is as Bruf, Bruf. <laughs> Broof! Broof! <laughs> I'm Broof Dane. <laughs> I am Barkman. <laughs> <laughs>